Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Colossians 3.26 through 4.6 called Words and Deeds. Look at chapter four, verse one. Now, masters are addressed, or you could say bosses or managers. Masters, chapter 4, verse 1, grant your slaves justice and fairness. The idea there is of equality, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So let's say that you are a business owner. You own a company. You're in a position of authority. You always have to remember that you too have a master in heaven. And your master is going to assess how you treated people who were under you. And the measure of your treatment of them is really the measure of how Christ treated those and treats those who are under him. What did he do? He washed the disciples' feet. The disciples didn't want to do it. And Jesus took the place of the lowest slave and he said, you call me master and Lord and that's what I am. If I, your master and Lord, washed your feet, you should what? Wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. When we serve others, even when it's unexpected, when you're in a position of authority and you maybe deserve to be served or it's the right you know, way of things, the right ethic is that you would be served, but you serve somebody else, man, all of a sudden, if you're a manager or owner, that gives you an opportunity to witness to other people. As we move from, we're moving from deeds to words, look at verse two. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. This is something we're gonna need to do if we're gonna be effective. Keeping alert, staying awake, in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. We've gotta be devoted to prayer. Quaker Thomas Kelly says this. There's a way of ordering our mental life in more than one level at once. On one level, we can be thinking, discussing, seeing, calculating, meeting all the demands of external affairs. But deep within, behind the scenes, at a profounder level, we may also be in prayer and adoration, song and worship, gentle receptiveness to divine breathings. What Thomas Kelly is saying is that there's a way to order your spiritual life where you could be meeting someone at work, but still on a deeper level be in prayer to God. You could be going you know, doing a work project, making a presentation, and still on a deeper level saying, Lord, shine through me. There's a way to order your spiritual life in such a way where you can be in touch with heaven as you deal with people on earth, and that's how you're gonna be most effective. That's why I think prayer is here. It might seem a little awkward at first, but prayer is here because the man or woman of prayer is bound to shine for Jesus Christ, amen? So you, deep, you, uh, you dip your cup in deep, uh, as Martin Lloyd-Jones says, prayer is a duty, but it is much more than a duty. It, is, it should be a delight. It should be the ultimate expression of the Christian life. You're meeting someone at work, and maybe you're saying, Lord, I pray for this person's soul. I pray for their family. I pray you'll give me an opportunity to reach them for Christ. I pray you'll use my smile, use my voice, use my attitude. Let me be about your kingdom business here at work. I'm not talking about reading your Bible during company hours you know, I'm not talking about that kind of thing, but I'm just saying you being a Bible to others. 
Sometimes Christians get in trouble because they say, I'm being persecuted at work. I was reading my Bible on company time. I'm being persecuted. No, that's not persecution. You owe your employer the hours that he pays you for. Read your Bible at lunch, right? Find ways to win people around you. Praying at the same time, says Paul, for us as well, that God may open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison. Paul said, please pray for me as well. I may be in chains, but the word of God cannot be changed. Look at verse four of chapter four. In order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Sometimes I tell people and I try to practice this myself, Lord, teach me what to say, how to say it, when to say it, and when to be quiet. Amen? Amen. Lord, take this instrument, this tongue that the book of James says, man, it can do great blessing, but it can do great harm. Wallet behind my teeth, O Lord, if I'm going to say something dumb, put a guard over my mouth, teach me what to say, how to say it, when to say it, and when to be quiet. Oh, Lord, I need to pray that more. Because that is the stuff that starts to make a difference in your witness to the world. And then finally, look at verses 5 and 6. It says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of opportunities, or the most of the opportunity. Uh, Look back at Ephesians 5 with me for a second, just the couple books back. Ephesians 5, look at verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15 says, Ephesians 5, 15. It says, Therefore be careful how you walk, 5, 15, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then don't be foolish, 5.17 of Ephesians, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you know what God's will for your life is? His will for your life is that as you're on this planet, whatever you do in word or deed, you do all in the name of Jesus Christ. You wake up in the morning and you say something like this, Lord Jesus, this day is yours. You gave it to me, I give it back to you. How do you want to use me today? Is there someone who needs the gospel that I'm going to cross paths with today, Lord? If so, I want to be your man. I want to share the good news of the gospel. Show me the open doors that you have for me today. Start your day in prayer. Start your day putting on the full armor of God or something simple. I often pray just this. Lord, by faith, I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe me with the attributes that you want me to have today for this day. Just a very simple prayer. Conduct yourselves, back to Colossians and we'll finish it. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. You got to be wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Be wise. Many people today see Christianity as a racket. Because sometimes they turn on certain television stations, let's be candid, and they watch things and they sometimes get the idea that that's Christianity. Now you can turn on TV and see some good things. But sometimes you turn on so-called Christian television and you see some things that can be offensive. 
and sometimes you walk into some places and you can be offended as well when they take five different offerings on a Sunday morning, right? It's not about money, but now we're going to take the third offering of the morning service and now it's for the, you know, this fund and this fund. And, and some people get the idea that this is not about me growing in my faith. This is about them growing in their pocketbook. You know, unbelievers in many ways are generally suspicious of you. Did you know that? They're wondering if this whole thing is authentic. They're wondering if it's real for you. They're wondering how real you are. Most of them, their common excuse is, I don't go to church because there's too many hypocrites in the church, right? Then they meet you outside the church. Here's an opportunity. You want to make the most of it, right? You don't want to confirm their suspicions. And so Jesus says, be shrewd as serpents, but innocent as doves. Verse six, let your speech, the Greek word here is logos, always be with grace. Let your speech, Colossians 4, 6, always be with grace. You always want to speak with grace. Now, what is grace? Well, the Greek word is charis. It's a beautiful word, and the word has the idea of graciousness. It has, you know, behind it the idea of divine influence. It's what affords pleasure, joy, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. Sometimes when we say someone is graceful or gracious, that says a lot, right? Man, that person is a gracious person. Sometimes you expect someone to be mad at you and they respond in grace and you're like, wow. I thought the hammer was coming down, man. And I got grace instead. Grace is what God gives to us undeserving sinners. And so when we're in, engaged in regular conversation with people, we want our, our language to be what? Seasoned with grace. We want it to be full of the grace of God because that's what we've experienced. To speak with grace, says MacArthur, means to say what is spiritual, wholesome, fitting, kind, sensitive, purposeful, complementary, gentle, truthful, loving, and thoughtful. In Ephesians 4.29, he says, Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4.29. Now this, well, the one exception is if you're with your buddies. If you're with your buddies, I would say, tear down each other as much as you can. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, look, as Christians, we're not saying you can't have fun with your brothers at their expense. I think that's a, <laughs> I think that's a reasonable approach. If, as long as they're not tearing you down, you get them. Look, I don't think that this means you can't have fun. But think about what the opposite of grace is. When you don't speak to people with grace, grace edifies what does the opposite do. Pride tears people down. Do you know that with your language, there's not a whole lot of neutrality? Your language is either going to build up others or tear them down. There's not a little, lot of middle ground. So you want to say, Lord, as I go out today, I want to sanctify my heart, my mouth, everything that I, ha I have and give it to you. I want to give a reason for the hope that I have within me. 
One writer says, let your speech always be with grace. Make sure your brain is in gear before you engage your mouth. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. I want to give a reason for the hope that I have within me. One writer says, let your speech always be with grace. Make sure your brain is in gear before you engage your mouth. Once the words are spoken, it's done. There's no erase button, no rewind button. You can't say to the judge, uh, tell the jury to disregard that last comment, please. Your speech is so powerful. According to scripture, the person, husband, wife, parent, child, employer, employee, friend, who blurts out whatever he or she is thinking or feeling without considering the consequences is in a bad way indeed. You know, you have people who say, I just say whatever's on my mind. (laughs) Well, you may want to rethink that. Sometimes it's this way. Someone has a mouth almost like a machine gun. It's like this. Everybody in the house is bleeding on the floor, right? The dog is hurt, wounded. And then they say something like this. Oh, you know how I am. I'm sorry. I I didn't mean it. But everybody's still got bullets in them, right? Oh, I was just playing around. We're good, right? Y'all good? Yeah, I think so. You got extra strength band-aids around here anywhere? Right? And sometimes people who love you and who are around you, they won't tell you. They won't always tell you. Man, you've hurt me. You know, sometimes there are people who carry wounds and hurts through verbal stuff that was spoken for a long, long time. Some of you may have them right now. You know, we can think back to words that were spoken to us that were just so deflating and defeating. And we're told, no, don't do that. Have your life be and your mouth be that which is full of grace. And then we're going to end with verse 6, but there's another metaphor here. And it says, seasoned as it were with salt. How many of you enjoy salt? Now, I know some people who put salt on their salt. (laughs) That is not good for your health, by the way. Oh, this just needs a little bit more. You just got french fries with salt on them. Don't put more salt. Well, in the ancient world, in the rabbinic literature, the literature from the rabbis, they associated salt with wisdom. So this week, you're going to have a salt shaker, all right? Don't use the pepper. Use the salt, okay? And it's, it's going to be something like this. You're going to go around this week, and it's going to be like this. And you're going to be able to sprinkle salt in different areas. You're going to be able to bring some seasoning to some people's life, maybe some depth. The idea of salt 
is salt does season things, right? Makes bland things taste better. And so that may be what God wants you to do this week. Make some bland things taste a little better. You say, how do I do that, Pastor Michael? This week when you go into work, smile more. What? Yeah. Don't be an old salty dog. (laughs) Sorry. Be salty in the best sense of the word. A little smile. A little sprinkle, a little salt on it. How you doing today? You may want to just go in and... Some places, some people will just burn in your presence. Sorry, that was the witch from The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Salt seasons. It makes bland things taste better. You may be at an office environment that's pretty bland. People walk around like this. Oh, yo, yo. (laughs) Man, it's like people are saying, it's a bummer to work here. Maybe you need to go, right? Or the other option is to just join them. (laughs) But you serve the Lord. You see, if you show up to work, and I know this is an old image, but let's say you punch a time card. If you punch it for the Lord, will that make a difference? You say, Lord, I'm gonna work as unto you. I'm not gonna worry about the attitude I'm getting from up above. The flavor of wit, our conversation shouldn't sting with sarcasm, but rather be seasoned with truth and grace. Salt also suggests the preservative of faithfulness. It's a preserving influence. In the ancient world, there's no refrigeration, so sprinkling some salt on things kept them from decaying. There's some people around you, they're, I'm just gonna be real. Some people around you wanna die. They don't want to live anymore. This is how real this is, you guys. Some people around you have been considering suicide. They don't want to live anymore. And if you come in with your salt shaker, a little gray seasoned with salt, it may make a difference in their world. Now, we can't guarantee what decisions people make, but we want to be good at being what God's called us to be. As grace flows through the heart, it flows outward in kindness. The conversation is never insipid. It's never flat, stale, or tasteless, or boring. In fact, it's seasoned with salt. It's savory, scintillating. Not the dull, sanctimonious, insincere vocabulary that seems to be demanded in some church circles. You walk in, turn thou us to the Bibleist of the, What? <laughs> That's language from 1611 in the King James, right? We can be who we are, seasoned with salt. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Father, as we uh, think about these things, man, they're so practical, and we come before you in humility, Lord, because we have, I have failed so many times to be that person who in word and deed has done everything unto the Lord Jesus Christ 
seasoned with salt, gracious. And Lord, we, we'd have to confess sometimes we've come across as stale and maybe even without the life of God. But in our culture, in this city of Corona, Lord, this city needs a revival. And this nation needs a revival. And if the people on the soccer fields this morning and the baseball fields and working in the companies this morning and wherever they may be are going to see the church shine in our generation to truly be a city set upon a hill, to be salt and light on the earth. It's going to be your people dominated by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, we've talked about foundations today. We've talked about putting on the new self. We've talked about the peace of Christ ruling, the word of Christ richly dwelling. We've talked about being thankful. We've talked about our actions unto you. We work for you, not for man. And Lord, that our mouths would be seasoned with grace. This is a lot. But we don't do it by might. We don't do it by our power. We do it by your Holy Spirit. Give us, Lord, the strength that we need. This week, just one day at a time. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. We can't. We can't control tomorrow. We can't change yesterday. It's over. But today is what we do have. And so let us make the most of today. I know there's a lot of hurts and wounds in this room. And I know that there's some folks that are just trying to find their own bearings and anchor. And I, and I pray, Lord, that you'd minister to every need. Wash over your people. Strengthen them. Know, let them know that you're for them, not against them. And I, I pray that you would just bless and with your head and heart bowed, if you're not a Christian this morning and, and maybe you've been on the edge, maybe you've been wondering, man, can I even live another day? Oh, the life of God. Jesus said, I, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. He wants to bless you. But there's a thief who's come to kill and steal and destroy. And maybe you've been in his crosshairs and you want to get out. Jesus took the bullet for you. He, he went to the cross for you, but you must confess him as Lord and Savior. You must decide that he's going to be your Lord, your King, and you're going to follow him. And in these moments, I would just say to you, don't let another moment go by where you have not settled this. So as you bow your heart, it's something like this. I want to encourage you, pray it out loud if it's you, and just settle it. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you that you died on that cross for me. Thank you that you defeated death and rose from the dead. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to walk with you, Lord. I repent of my sin. I want to change. I want to be more like you. I want to be more a man of woman and woman who, or woman who is filled with love and integrity and peace and strength and dignity and hope. Lord, do your work in those hearts that just desperately need you. Cause people to be born again to a living hope. Let prodigals come home today, Lord. And just do your healing work in this body, we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You've been listening to Words and Deeds, part three on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 3.22 through 4.6. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. If you'd like to watch recent messages or church services with Pastor Michael and the Living Truth Congregation, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find the channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, the bottom line is that whatever we do in word and deed, we're to do all for the glory of God, all in the name of Jesus Christ. And when that is our goal, is what I'm about to say or do going to glorify you, Lord? (laughs) That makes all the difference in the world right there. And so let our words and deeds be to the glory of our master, Jesus Christ. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth, and I want to invite you to our midweek service. It's 7 o'clock each Wednesday night at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. It's a great church. It's right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. And on Wednesday nights, we do a midweek service at 7 p.m., and we'd love for you to come. And we are now going through Advent messages. So we are we have started the Christmas clock, if you will, to the arrival of the Messiah. And we're dealing with some different scriptures, Old and New Testament, on the coming of our great King, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. We would love for you to join us if you're looking for a midweek Bible study, 7 o'clock Wednesday nights, 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Hey, you can find out information and driving directions when you call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We will see you tomorrow as we embark on a message called Better Together in Colossians chapter 4. See you here. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's final teaching in Colossians called Better Together. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.